big crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and pleaded with him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there is a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his cloak, I will be made well. Immediately her flow of blood stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my cloak? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The word of God for the people of God. quaked before moved by the sound of God's voice seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard through it all through it all my eyes are on you
Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well. It is well.
Denise for singing for, and she brought that song to us. And thank you, Denise. Breakout moment for her, for sure. Thank you so much. to get electronic here. Just give me a second. I've <laughs> been thinking a lot in my life this week about the presence of others and how powerful or positive in one way or negative sometimes people's presence is. They're, they're just their essence. Um, each of us, anyway, in my understanding of things, have an energy, you know, about who we are. Pete Carroll, right? The ex Seahawk coach, we're going to miss him so much because he had so much positive energy. Um, he would call it juice, you know, he, juice, you know. Um, there are some people who walk in a room and the room is just filled with positive vibes and energy. When I'm around a person like that, I just want to, you know, get up by their shoulder and rub off a little bit just to get a little of that energy. Um, I want to take their classes. I want them to teach me. I, I want to listen to their music. I want to listen to their podcasts. I want to read their books. They give us positive energy. They, they fill our hearts. By the way, they're not always the loudest people in the room. Because there are some people that enter a room and they're like a vacuum cleaner. They take all the energy out because they've got so much energy and they just need it so much. But there's others who walk into a room and give you space and allow that space to move. And then suddenly the room is filled not just with their energy, but because they've coked us, coaxed us, kind of lured us into it. Our energy, too, builds. Cindy and I, when we were in college, we had a theater professor and a coach uh, that we just loved. In fact, Cindy and I met, actually, when we were on stage. We were Mr. and Mrs. Barrymore in the Sherlock Holmes production of The Hound and the Baskervilles. That's us right there. I don't know if you can find us there, but uh, I actually think... Um, as we look at these clips, here's another one. That's Cindy and I there in our younger days. Uh, and then we've got one more, I think, or do we? Yes. Uh, that's me. I've got this line called butterflies, and I'm being the butterfly there. But um, the name of this professor was Daryl, Daryl Patton. And later in my life, I had the privilege and honor of officiating his funeral. And in the funeral message, I, I talked about this gift that Daryl had of filling a room, of, of luring people into more positive en energy. Daryl often directed a Christmas magic, madrigal every year, not the musical part, but the whole kind of theater part of it. And uh, almost every year, he had a role. He was usually the king, right? And in one of the scenes I remember so vividly was Daryl knighting the courtyard gesture. You know, the, the jester was down kneeling and he got out his sword and, and knighted him. 
And I use that image for who he was for so many of us. Daryl had, uh, had this magnificent laugh when he directed. I mean, it was just a laugh that filled the room. And we all loved that laugh. His whole body shook and his smile just took over not only his own face, but kind of the whole room. And we just lived for that smile. And to be on stage and deliver a line when that smile took over was kind of like being knighted. You know, we were in, we were a part of that community when we got one of those Daryl laughs. It was Daryl's way of knighting other people, of placing his hand over us and baptizing us into this community of theater. And when it happened, it not only filled our hearts, it permeated our skin and placed a watermark on our hearts. I still have it in me. Daryl was a healer. He healed folks. You wanted to go to his parties. You wanted to sing next to him at the Christmas cantata or the community cantata. My daughter Cassie played uh, beside Daryl in Mitchell, the UMC's children Christmas program, and she still talks about it, what that meant to her. And she never once stopped smiling when she was on stage with him. And now here's my question. Did Daryl just, was he just born with that juice? You know? Was he just born with it? Was he always a healer? Or did he learn to be that? Did he grow in it? Jesus had a lot of juice, right? We see it especially in today's scripture. Jim did a great job reading it. I mean, the woman who has been hemorrhaging for years upon years, there's no hope left in her. And in an act of desperation, she reaches out and touches Jesus' garment. And she's healed. How could that happen? Could that be? Right? Could someone be so present? so aware, so full of that positive healing energy that just by touching their garment, others are healed? Well, we know, don't we, that touch is a powerful tool in our world. I remember talking, Ryan, to you about being a teacher during the pandemic and how you know, you're a presence guy, I have to admit. <laughs> and how when you had to be online and, and doing it over Zoom, that presence just didn't transfer over. And it was so frustrating for you, you know, because you couldn't touch. You couldn't be there in that presence way. Well, we know that touch is so powerful, right? Um, and it can be a wonderful thing. And we know the other side of touch. It can be very hurtful. I've been touched before in the wrong way. And if that has ever happened to you, let me just say this. I, I feel your pain. And I carry some of your sorrow. 
to be touched in places we don't want to be touched, to, to have our nose ignored is just disturbing, heart-wrenching. But touch can also be an incredible gift. And we as a community need it, but we need to know how to use it and not abuse it. You know, that's, that's a tough line in today's world, as we know. So I want to tell you another story, my second story. I was, I was a new pastor in the Dakotas Conference, and, and the honeymoon in my first parish was over. So in other words, about two weeks into it. <laughs> and that first spring, I, I received an email from the district superintendent, who was kind of like the boss, um, that there was going to be a pastor's retreat in the local UM camp there district pastor's retreat. And to be honest, I had mixed feelings and emotions about going to this retreat. In many ways, I needed it. I needed camaraderie, right? I, I needed other pastors. But I also had imposter syndrome really bad. I mean, I just didn't even know if I cut the mustard. Remember last week and I talked about pretending in my message? Well, that first year, I, I just felt like I was doing a lot of pretending, a lot of faking it as a pastor. I just didn't know for sure if I could live up to it all. I, I, I wasn't as holy as I ought to be, as most, to be honest. But I went, partly because I thought if I didn't, the DS would think I was, you know, hiding. <laughs> and as soon as I arrived, I immediately felt like I should turn around and go back to my car. I remember... Um, a, a gal that came to our church recently about a year ago and she had come for the first time. She thought about coming to our church for three months and she finally got to the parking lot and she thought, oh, maybe I could just turn on the video and watch it here because she could not get into the place, you know. But she finally made it here and she felt, she said, it was just so scary to make that that turn, and that's kind of where I was. And as soon as I arrived, I, I thought about turning back, but it, it was like going, to, um, everybody was passing the peace, and you all do this very wonderfully, and it is a wonderful thing, but if you're new, it's kind of scary, you know, it's a little bit awkward. People pass you by, they're all looking for somebody else sometimes. And that's how I felt. Everybody was hugging, embracing each other. This was a, a tight brotherhood or sisterhood, and, and I felt just totally left out. And, in, and I'm guessing, by the way, that many new folk probably feel that way in our lives. Um, and that was me. And I stood awkwardly in the corner, watching, right, waiting. Believe it or not, in new situations where I don't have a role yet, I'm a pretty shy guy. When I've got my role, I know what to do. But when I don't, I'm shy. And then we, we all sang grace and we got in line for supper because that's what pastors do. We eat a lot. <laughs> and as we walked in line, an older pastor, I don't know if he was retired yet, but he was close. And he just gently put his hand on my shoulder right behind me. And he said, Brooke, we're so pleased to have you here in our midst. I've been praying for you while you're in seminary. And he said, relax. It's going to be okay. The words were nice. But the hand, the touch, 
feel the juice coming from that hand. It was so warm. It just flowed into my heart and all the way down to my toes. And I felt like someone was singing this. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel God's mighty power and God's grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. That was an angel's wing. Touched me. Have you ever felt like that? That presence? Again, is that something folks just have? You know, born with? Or can we learn? Can we learn how to be healing presence in this world? And if we can learn to be healers, which I'm saying we can, <laughs> a hearted yes, or at least better healers than we are, what practices might help us? What's some ways we could learn to do this better? Because you know what? This world, if there's anything it needs, it needs that presence. It needs it, right? Um, the choir at the end of this service is going to sing a song from Wicked, the musical, and it has beautiful words. I want you to just hear these and look at them. I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bring something we must learn, and we are led to those who help us most to grow. If we let them and we help them in return. Well, I don't know if I believe that's true, but I know I'm who I am today because of you. Like a comet pulled from orbit. As it passes a sun, like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the wood. Why, who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I knew you, I've been changed by good. How can we grow to be like that? To be that river who when rocks who are hardened by this world encounter us, they soften up, up and they lose some of that jagged edge. Well, there's a couple of things. How can we become more like Jesus? How can we become more healers than takers? How can we turn our wounds into moments to heal instead of hurt others? How can we use our words to heal and not hurt? How can we learn to use touch appropriately for the good in this ultra-sensitive and damaged world? Well, first thing I want to say and I know this is going to just sound pat. This is what Christians say, but learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. Not the way we normally do. Learn how to pray. Roberta Bondi is a great writer, and I've been to a couple of workshops with her, and she defined prayer this way. And she took a ragged rock, a jagged rock, full of jagged stuff, and she said, this is who we are. We've got pains, we've got brokenness, we've got sharp edges, and they're not always so fun in this world to be around. But if we pray, if we immerse that rock under the gentle, graceful stream of God, and that's the work of prayer, getting it down there, all of it, you can't fake it. You can't pretend. Just get the rock down under that thing and keep it there long enough for God to work. 
for grace to work on all those rough edges. That's the first thing I want to say. Learn how to pray like that, right? It's not easy. I haven't figured it out quite yet myself. But I think there's things we could do. And the second thing I want to say to you is learn how to laugh. You know, have some fun. Uh, Ed Coates was my senior pastor in one of the churches I was, I was at. And one time he came to the church, and I love this story because I never have my key to the church. That's why we went to codes for this church. I kept missing my keys. Just a funny st- side story here. Uh, in Vermilion, South Dakota, I used to have, uh, they gave me a key, and I lost about three of them. And so they decided, hey, Brooke, let's put uh, a magnetic thing behind the, uh, the gutter right? And we can just put it right behind the gutter of the front of the church. And then when you lose your key, you can just go get that one and use it and put it back. And so, you know, I get to church one day and I don't have my key. And I said, oh, no worry. We got that gutter thing going. And so I go over to the gutter. It's gone. <laughs> There's no gutter. <laughs> they, they've replaced all the gutters and there went my key. So, so sometimes even good plans don't work for me. But, but uh, anyway, Ed forgot his key. And there was a, uh, he was trying to get into this re- relatively big church and uh, had glass doors on one of the side doors. And so he's going to the glass door and it's locked and he can see this small group meeting there. And they're laughing and they're having fun and they're, you know, they're just relating to each other, giving each other kind of just blessings upon blessing. And he can't get in. And he said, man. I just wanted to get into that church that day. I wish everybody could see the church that way with an open door. But that's what we need to be. And we we can be that, right? I mean, we want people to be attracted to be here. And I think one of them is to laugh. There is a, a Sikh tradition that I'd like to teach you. We're hard on ourselves. I know I am. And uh, there's this Sikh kind of prayer tradition. It's kind of a laughing. You have to do it. But you find kind of a... A pet name for yourself that is warm and, you know, lovely. Maybe you had somebody who called you a pet name. And my sister used to call me Brooke Robbie. So I use Brooke Robbie. And when you make a mistake or when you blow it or when you're feeling uh, rough, you just, you just do this and you go, Brooke Robbie, you'll do better next time. You know, don't, don't worry about it. You'll do better next time. And you just kind of laugh. Oh, Brooke Robbie, it's all right. So I want you to think of that name. Go ahead and pat yourself. And it's just gentle. You know, it's just a gentle, hey, Brooke Robbie. You don't have to call yourself Brooke Robbie. You might want to try something else. But yeah, just gently remind yourself in a graceful way, right? You know, you can do that. You don't have to be so hard on yourself. Give yourself grace, right? Do that. It's, it's important. And, and learn to laugh with that. Have some joy. Um, and then I want you to just think about this, but... We meet new people all the time. They come in and out of our lives. We've had Will here for this time. And we could have two choices of dealing with people like Will, who we know might not be here forever. Don't ever let him in. (laughs) You know? Just... Keep your jagged edges out, right? And don't welcome them because we know on the other end it might be hurtful, right? I mean, it might hurt to say goodbye or learn to love and open our hearts and and let that person influence us. 
Let that person affect our lives. Be humble enough to see that they have gifts, you know, that we might receive and receive them with all our hearts. And then when they leave, cry. Yeah, because that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to, to miss somebody. That's part of life, right? But also send them, right? Send them out in the world. Give them, their, give them our gifts and kick them out. No, not kick them out. But send them because there's a great purpose that they often have. They've given us light, but they want to share that light with the rest of the world. And we know that's what Will wants to do. He's got, he's got a calling out in the world to bring healing to our environment to connect human beings to God's creation through his songs. That's a wonderful calling. He does that here, but he can do it in a better way. Out, doing it. And we, we should send him there because it's a great gift, Will. And we thank you. And I appreciate you opening your heart to us. And so, can we be better healers? What do you think? I think we can. So let's do it. And all the people said, 